you for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church. To find out more about the Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. And we're excited. We're starting a brand new series today, and it is called Hashtag Goals. And if you don't understand why it's called Hashtag Goals, it's okay. I don't either. But here's what's important. We're going to talk about goals for every relationship that we have in life. And what I'm excited about is as we're journeying through this over the next few weeks, you actually can journey with us through the amazing accessibility of your cell phone. If you'd like to journey, you can text the word notes to the number that's on the screen right now, and that will bring up a link to the YouVersion Bible app where you can read through the text that we're reading today. You can see the points that we had. You can take your own notes, save it, and email it to you. And then that way, if you're really bored, you can just look like you're taking notes but really be cruising through Instagram and nobody will know. It's okay. Second service. Let's go. I need some laughter. I preach faster if you laugh louder. Can I hear some amen out there? So good. If you're feeling it, say yeah. So we're diving into this series called relationship or called hashtag goals about all the challenges and the excitements that happen within relationship. And you started, you came to the best week you can possibly come to, week one, as we dive into what this looks like. And here's my promise for you. My promise for you is really more of a hope for you. Not that you'll find perfection in the relationships that you have but that you'll find fulfillment. Because no matter what you're walking through, no matter what type of relationship you're in, there are some amazing things ahead of you. And here's the challenge. More often than not, we're more focused on where we haven't arrived at or what we haven't accomplished yet or how, how far it is till we can actually see some type of success or good season in life and we forget exactly how far we've come. And so I want to unpack what I believe the Bible has to offer for every relationship that you and I might be in. Now here's kind of a a promise to you. At the Movement Church, if you're not sure where you stand when it comes to faith, then you have permission to belong before you believe. It's okay. But I'll promise you this, no matter what you believe, there will be things that each of us can take from the context of the next few moments, and if applied to our life, see something spectacular take place. I just can't get away from this concept that nobody wants the the mundane. Nobody does. Nobody wants mediocre. Now, many of us might have walked through that or experienced that or maybe even be in that right now, but I actually believe that there are some great days ahead of you and me. It's going to take some understanding and some intentionality. So I'm going to read some passages of scripture from the Bible because I believe the Bible is more than just a great book with great stories for great people. I believe that it's God's word for you and for me. Now again, permission not to believe, but I'm going to take some passages from scripture and talk about different relationships that we're in and set the stage for this series over the course of the next few weeks. Can we pray to get this thing started? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Let's do this thing. God, we just come before you and we thank you that you're in this place. 
And God, the truth is, I don't know what everybody came in with. I don't know the relationship challenges or maybe the successes. Maybe people coming in with marriages that are on the rocks or those coming in having just gotten engaged. Those that are desperately trying to discover purpose while going to Saddleback College and just figure things out. Or those that are desperately praying for financial breakthrough. God, I don't know what we've walked through as we've come through the doors today, but I know that you have great things planned for us. So today, all of us, we just open our hearts to receive something from you, no matter what it is. And God, we thank you right now that the Cowboys will defeat the Green Bay Packers. In Jesus' name I pray, and everybody said amen. Amen means you agree. (laughs) Yeah. Well, listen, how many of you remember your very first kiss? Would you raise your hand right now? Yes, your very first kiss kiss. You know what's crazy? My very first kiss was to the woman I am married to today. Yeah! Isn't that awesome? My, I was 32. No, I'm kidding. My very first kiss, we started dating in high school. Now, she is older than me, so she's my cougar. I was a sophomore in high school. She was a senior. Can you feel it? Say, yeah. Come on, somebody. Yes. And I'll never forget the moment we had been dating for a few weeks, we had been to through the, the step of holding hands. And, and listen, I know that may seem crazy. Like, why were you 16? I just I was, I was awesome. I don't know. And so we went to the movie called Liar Liar, and she held. You remember, anybody remember that movie? All the millennials are like, what is that? Do you guys know Jim Carrey? Nope, you don't know. Fire Marshal Bill? Anybody? Nobody. Okay. Yeah! And you woke up. All right. So she had her hand on the armrest, just waiting for me to hold her hand. And I grabbed for it. I think I jerked her shoulder out of socket. And we had to, like, you know, take her to the hospital. I held her hand. And then, man, it was that time. Like, we could, it was just like I needed to give her a kiss to, like, let her know, man, I, I am freaking into you. You are awesome. And we went to this party with her school friends. And they were all choir people singing, like, songs from Greece. You're the one that I want. And I was out. I'm like, I'm not into Greece. And so I like football and not Greece. And... All of a sudden, the party shifted. We were outside in this beautiful home. Summer evening. Fireflies everywhere. Sitting on a swing. And this song came on. I kid you not. Y'all feel it right now? She don't got a lot to say. Yeah, y'all chacko with me? Their friends had staged this. They all went inside and we're swinging. It was like a movie. We're swinging on this swing. This song is building. It's crescendoing. There were fireflies, people. And I don't even know where those... They're extinct today, I believe. <laughs> Libertarian Party is what I've heard. They made them extinct. I don't know for a fact. And we're swinging on this bench. Just The moment is building. The song is getting to the chorus. And I felt... This is my moment. Do y'all want to sing this song with me right now? Come on, this is where it kicks in. Sing it with me. Yeah, y'all are feeling it, right? And at the right moment, I leaned over and I kissed her so quick, my forehead collided with her forehead, and she was like, ow! And it, it was this moment that was exciting and scary and horrible, and man, that moment the honeymoon started and has never ended. Can I get a yeah from some people in this place? We dated for three and a half years until she finally proposed to me, and I was like, what? 
I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We got married, and literally the entire church showed up. It was insane. And I can honestly stand here before you today and tell you, we have never been in a fight, ever. We've had two kids, and they're perfect. We've never had to discipline them. We've never walked through financial crisis. I've never received an email that said I had insufficient funds. I've never faced any challenges. The honeymoon began, that was in 1997. Can anybody remember 1997? And the party has continued, my friends. Can I get a yeah from some people who believe me? You don't believe me. Because it's not true, is it? It's ridiculous. I married a fiery red-headed woman. <laughs> woman. There are days that I just pray, maybe today we won't fight Jesus. <laughs> Jesus, please. <laughs> are you tracking with me? We've been through financial crisis as a couple. We've been married now for 16 years. Come on, that's worth a yeah right there, right? 16 years. I'm only 25. We were really young at the time, but we had two kids, right? And they're amazing kids, but but they're not perfect. They're far from it. And our house is chocked full of estrogen, so we just cry a lot, and we don't know why. (laughs) I cry a lot. It just happens. You track it with me. After the first year, I'll be honest, I didn't think we were going to make it. I met with her father because he's the only other individual I know that was married to a fiery red-headed woman, her mom. And I was like, bro, I don't know. He's like, I feel you. <laughs> we went to Sonic and over a cherry limeade. We just kind of, he dropped some wisdom. I'll never tell you what he said, but it saved my life and my marriage. And a few years later, he got cancer. One of the rarest forms of cancer. Only 28 people in his life had ever, in this world, had ever had it. And no one had survived past six months. And when they found it, he had had it for 13. It was bad. Three and a half years. My father passed away almost two years ago now. It's amazing, isn't it, that the greatest seasons of life, the greatest moments, the greatest memories that you have, are often surrounding the people that you do life with. Great friends that you just have the best Friday you've ever had with them. Or a great weekend getaway. Or just the marriage that you're in. Or maybe you're in high school still. And man, you just have a crew that you love to hang with. Maybe your family dynamic is so great. Like you look back at being raised and it was awesome. And you hope to maybe recreate some of the memories and experiences you had. It's just astounding to me that some of the greatest seasons and moments of our life are centered around the relationships we have with people. And yet, adversely, the greatest challenges that we face, the greatest hurt, the greatest rejection, the feelings of loss. Never forget April 26, 2015, five in the morning, my phone rings. My brother says, Carrie, dad passed away this morning. Loss, an emotion that you are not prepared for. 
because of a relationship with a human that you so desperately care about. It's just amazing to me that this idea of the relationships that we are in have such a profound effect on who we are and the life that we experience. I feel it's pertinent, important, necessary, that as a church, we spend some time to unpack not how to have perfect relationships, because that is ridiculous, but how do we find fulfillment in every relationship that we have? The Bible even would back this concept up, or, or more importantly, I would support what the Bible has to say in Ecclesiastes 4, 9. This is a, a book written in the Old Testament. It says this, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. In other words, if you want to do some things great, then you've got to do it together. We are better together. And if either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. You might even be able to identify a time or a season where it was lonely and discouraging. Or you didn't have the relationships that you wanted. Or maybe you were surrounded by great people, but the value of the connection was lacking and therefore you felt alone. That's why we're going to take a few weeks to unpack this series called Goals. And this isn't about the goals that you can set, but more importantly, what I believe Again, you have permission not to believe, but what I believe is God's goal for you in every relationship. It's amazing to me how the fiery romantic passion of a marriage can die so quickly and slip into this concept of cohabitation. When we're merely existing... We kind of are punching the clock on marriage. In fact, I believe life can so easily become about existing and often merely to pay for the life that I live and the people that I've created. I've got to take care of a roof over our heads and a vehicle to get us there, fuel in the tank, food in their mouths. So I go to work, punch the clock, drive home. I'm exhausted. I punch out, go to bed as soon as I can only to wake up all over again. And so, as part of the job that I play as a pastor is to sit across the desk from people who are walking through struggles, and I hear the stories over and over again. It's part of the part that I love is helping put the pieces back together, but the challenges that come with that is that all too often we find a wife who desperately wants her husband to become the man he once dreamed of. The man he used to talk about when they were dating and engaged and the hopes and the aspirations that he had for the future. And this woman so desperately wants him to become that. But this desperation has turned into constantly reminding him of who he's not. What he hasn't achieved. So the marriage is fragmented. Or we find a husband who desperately wants his wife to be passionate about something more than just their children. And through the course of time, this desperation to see her be passionate, maybe about him, has just begun to fizzle. And, and it really becomes a rejection. And so what a, a man will often do is immerse himself into work, which actually brings the affirmation he would rather receive from his wife. Or perhaps, and I think this is one of the bigger challenges, is that 
We don't know how to handle conflict in a marriage. We just don't know how to do it. Whether it's crisis that's external or crisis that's in between. And I think most people fit into one of two categories. I call them sweepers and bombers. You know what I'm talking about when I say bombers. It's like there's a crisis and boom! <sighs> you left in the wake of the radiation waves. You're like, ah! You know exactly what. All the people that are bombers are laughing. And I saw some husbands nudging their wives. Settle down. You know what I'm talking about where you just give your opinion before anyone's had a chance to even respond. Anybody that may be just a little bit explosive, raise your hand, don't lie. Because if you, you're all like this. It was so quick. Sweepers are on the other side of that, just constantly sweeping things under the rug, trying to avoid it. Somebody already raised their, raised their hand. <laughs> the problem is, over a course of time, that mound under the rug becomes an obstruction that someone obviously trips on and busts their face, and either way we're faced with conflict. We can't avoid it. Conflict happens in life, but learning how to embrace and to navigate that, I believe God has a plan. Here's the encouragement for you today. We're not diving into marriage goals yet, but here's my encouragement. Just lean in for a minute and just look, look me in the eyes for two seconds. Gentlemen, if you're here and you're married today, I want to tell you that you're the greatest human being on this earth for your wife. One husband just leaned over to his wife and said, I told you. (laughs) Sean Langford threw you under the bus there. He's like, yeah, I am. And ladies, lean in for a minute. You're the greatest human being on this planet for your husband. In fact, I believe that the greatest you is directly connected to the one you said yes to so many years ago. In fact, God's got this plan for it. He talks about it. And again, permission not to believe, but we read about it in Corinthians chapter 13. It's actually referred to as the love chapter. Listen to what this says. It says, if I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy, I don't even know what that is, but don't love, I'm nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. And if I speak God's word with power, revealing all his mysteries and making everything as plain as day, and if I have faith that says to the mountain, jump, and it jumps. Chris Cross will make you jump. Nope, nobody. If I say to the mountain, jump, and it jumps, but I don't, I'm sorry, but I don't love, I am nothing. I have ADD, y'all stop judging me. If I give everything I own to the poor and go to the stake to be burned, but I do not love, I've gotten nowhere. Look at this next passage, it says this. So no matter what I say, No matter if I bring home the bacon, I provide roof over their heads. Just become a mom and handle things the way it should be done. No matter what I believe and what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. And most of us in this room can identify a season or week or month or moment of bankruptcy which feels empty and insufficient. The scripture goes on to say this love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it does not have. Love doesn't strut. It doesn't have a swelled head. It doesn't force itself on others. It isn't always me first. It doesn't fly off the handle. It doesn't keep a score of the sins of others. I wonder what would happen in a marriage if we would stop reminding our spouse of what we haven't accomplished and begin to speak to the potential and the destiny that's within. 
Love doesn't revel when others grovel. It takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. Puts up with anything. Trusts God always. Always looks for the best. Never looks back, but keeps going to the end. Love never dies. I believe that God has some great things in store for your marriages. And we're going to unpack that in this series. But there's also some people who are sitting here today who are just thinking, man, I'm just waiting for the day to meet Mr. Wright or Mrs. Wright. Goals for one, please. I'm single and desperately ready to mingle. Can I get a yeah from some people? In fact, this is a statement. Just be bold. Be faith-filled. If you're here and you're single, would you just raise your hand for a moment? Come on. Listen, look around. Get some numbers. Get some numbers. I'm trying to help you out right now. Lauren, our drummer, had, he was jumping with his hand as up as high as he could get it. Hey, listen, these are real challenges, right? The challenges of trying to find Mr. Right or Mrs. Right, do they even exist? And then the challenges that we face of feeling like an outcast in a couples-driven society. So how do I navigate the tensions of this? What does dating even look like from a biblical perspective? And many of you are thinking, what? I would never ask that question. (laughs) But I believe there's answers for this. And then the challenge begins to shift Especially the longer we're single, it begins to go from is Mr. Right or Mrs. Right available to I wonder what's wrong with me. Am I not worth being with? And then often in those moments, what shifts is now are my prayers even being heard or answered? Is God even in this thing? And I believe that He is. I believe God's at work in our lives. If you're here today and you're a Christ follower, I, I want to challenge and encourage you with this. Philippians 1 says this, There has never been the slightest doubt in my mind that the God who started this great work in you would keep at it and bring it to a flourishing finish. In other words, he's doing something, even if you can't see it and it's under the surface. Yeah. What does God have in store for the relationships that I have? We've got marriage, we've got being single and dating, but and what about when it comes to friends, or as we would call squad goals? I can honestly tell you that I believe I have a, an unfair disadvantage in this life. And it's the fact that I have a best friend that I have known since I was four years old. Four years old, his name is Chris Upton. He just recently moved here. He's got an amazing family and three children, and we have been through the greatest seasons of life, and we've burned a lot of things. Any pyromaniacs out there, can I see a show of hands? Two of you, three, okay. Hide your kids and hide your wife, they're out there. We would play BB gun wars where the only thing sticking out from behind the wall was our face, and no, we didn't wear protective eyewear. It's ridiculous. We laughed together, we had a lot of fun, but I was also there when he found out that his dad had Parkinson's disease. For 14 years as he battled that, as their family lost the family business because of this illness. I was there when his father passed away. I was there for his first engagement and his second engagement (laughs) and his third engagement when finally stuck. And I got permission to share that story with you today. I was the best man in his only wedding. Three engagements, one wedding, it's a long story. And he was the best man in mine. And I'm telling you, my life is better because he is an amazing individual. 
not just a friendship that's just a companionship, but we encourage each other to become who God had called us to become. So I would honestly say to you what has probably been stated in this very gym multiple times for school assemblies. Do you remember those? Drugs are bad, okay? Which they are. But then the statement would shortly be followed by, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And I would agree of the strength to that. We live in a society where we feel connected because we are constantly attached to the highlight reels of someone else's life through Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and whatever else is out there. But please understand, there's a grave difference between being connected and being informed. There's a great difference between being connected and being informed. And I believe that the greatest season of our life is directly attached to who we do life with. Who has influence in our life beyond our spouse or beyond our parents, but the friends, the, com- the comrades that come around and say, hey, you know better than that. Shape up. Make some changes. You can, do, you can do this thing that God's put in your heart. You can do and become who God's called you to be. But so often we don't surround ourselves with people. We might be surrounded by many but be missing the authentic connection. Someone who simply says, hey, I believe that you can accomplish more. So we'll talk about what that means and what that looks like. We'll even unpack, what do I do with these kids that I have? (laughs) How do I handle this? What's... What's the purpose? And man, what does discipline look like? And man, and I think it's worth evaluating because some people raise some demons. Can I just say, can anybody else, you have a kid in your neighborhood like that? Yeah? If your hand isn't raised, it's probably your kid, okay? Just going to throw it out there. But there's a, listen, there is a way to raise up a child. Parents, you are the greatest influence in your child's life right now. The older they get, that begins to shift. And you remember, that's why we have a team of people across the courtyard right now, not babysitting your children, but speaking life and destiny. Saying things like, I believe in you. Maybe you saw the flags as you walked down the courtyard that have the G3 mission. God made me. God chose me. God loves me. That's not just something cute that looks cool on some flags. But we want every child to leave knowing that they have purpose. They matter. And the crutch, the foundation of this is a passage of Scripture found in Proverbs. Chapter 22, verse 6. And this is what it says. Point your kids in the right direction. And when they're old, they won't be lost. So what you do now matters, mom and dad. Or caretaker. We have a lot of foster parents in here today. What you do now actually matters. We're going to talk about these things over the course of the next few weeks. I think it would be worth your time to spend 75 minutes on a Sunday with us as we unpack these. And the last and final point that we'll hit on, and I don't know exactly where it will fall within the weeks, we'll probably call this specific Sunday No Filter. And the concept of this topic is what do I do when plan A doesn't work out? What do I do when the dreams and the hopes 
and the aspirations don't come to pass. When I find myself in a marriage with an individual who's broken the very vows that we believed in, what I do when the business that I started, that I worked so diligently towards, falls apart and now I'm left with nothing? What do I do when I desperately... Man, my husband and I, we've been praying for children. And I don't know why. The doctors don't know why. But it's just not working. And every month it's a reminder that the desire deep inside isn't going to be a reality. Or maybe it's Every time you see an Instagram post of another friend who got engaged and you just so desperately want to be married. I don't know what the plan A that fell apart is for you and in your journey. But what do we do then? What do you do when you can't read an inspirational post on Instagram and feel better? What do you do when people come up and say, how are you? And you want to say, well, truthfully, I hate my life, and slap them in the face and run away. <laughs> do that. I think it'd be awesome. No, don't. Really. How do you handle that? What verse do you read? I actually believe that God has solutions for this. You know, one of the greatest challenges that I've faced Early on in my life, seven, eight years old, maybe nine, I forget. We lived in this amazing home in an amazing neighborhood. Had the pool in the backyard. It was in a cul-de-sac, and as a kid, there's nothing like living in a cul-de-sac because you can ride your bikes. I had the big wheel. Remember those three-wheel? Rambo, red bandana. All the girls chased me, but only that one got me. And... Uh, <laughs> It was amazing. We played like kick the can until all wee hours of the night, right? 50 kids would come out. I mean, it was awesome. Our front door's always open. It was like back in the day when your mom would say, be home by dark. No cell phones, no internet, no devices. It was amazing. For this kid, it was like everything I wanted. And I'll never forget the moment that I found out that we were being evicted from that home because my dad had lost his job and we couldn't afford the mortgage. My little seven, eight-year-old world fell apart. And for parents now, or for adults, or those of you that walked through this crisis, you might look at that and see like that's insignificant, but to this young kid, it was a big deal, and it began this six-year journey of just financial lack. We lived in La Quinta, for a month and a half, my parents had seven kids, two beds, and food from a church food pantry, Captain Crunch cereal for breakfast, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for lunch. And my parents found a restaurant that if one adult ate, all the kids could eat free. They didn't know my family, obviously. <laughs> that was it. Food stamps for about a year. And back when it was the Monopoly money, not the card swipe. Nobody knows how to check out food stamps. So we got food stamps on aisle 15 right by the embarrassed boy and his mom and dad. <laughs> Can y'all see them right here? They're embarrassed. True story. 
Six years. I lived in a home in the last month there. No electricity, no phone, no car. In Texas, in the summer. Crisis. What do you do with that? And I don't know what your crisis may be. It may be seemingly worse than this. It may be the realization that I, I'm single again. I just walked through a nasty divorce and it didn't work out. Now what do I do? I don't know what your crisis is. But I, from the bottom of my heart, believe that God has a plan. In fact, one of the greatest scriptures is so simple. It's found in the New Testament in a book called James. Chapter 4. It just simply says this. Draw near to God. And he draws near to you. It doesn't say draw near to God while getting all of your mess figured out. You know, rearrange everything, have perfect attendance in church, then draw near to God and pray really hard and, and worship really loud, and then he'll draw near to you. It just says draw near to God, and he draws near to you. There's another scripture found in Revelation. And it paints this amazing picture of Jesus. And it says that he stands at the door of our heart. And he knocks. For some of us, if you're like me, you can think through just the, just the amazingly poor choices in the, the past of your life. And to think that, that Jesus would be at the, the door of my heart knocking is a farce. It's ridiculous. Maybe if I got some things right. I didn't even want to be here today, but my wife made me. I heard about the alpaca. That's awesome. <laughs> Jesus just knocking. Doesn't say he knocks three times and then if he doesn't no answer, he heads out. He's just there. What that means is he wants to be a part of your exactly as you are with all of the hurts and habits and hang-ups. Not about church membership. Not about heritage or faith background. Just about you and what God wants for you. So I want to take a moment as we come to a conclusion of this service and talk to some of you in this room who may not be sure where you stand in this whole faith thing. Or maybe it's this wrestling tension on the inside. Maybe it's this feeling of separation. And the Bible talks about this separation. It's called a sin gap. And all of us have sin. Nobody's perfect. You have sin, I have sin. And there's a consequence for sin. And you get this because if you're speeding past a police officer and he sees you, you get pulled over and you get a ticket. So we get the idea of consequences. But the Bible talks about Jesus who lived a sinless life and he died a sinner's death. Closing the gap. 
for humanity. Knocking on the door, saying, I have something great for you. Not perfection, just fulfillment. But there's a starting point. It's not through osmosis. Can't be born into it. Not church membership. There's a starting point. And in a moment, I'm going to give you a chance to start that journey of what I believe is the greatest relationship you can have with Jesus. No embarrassment. Nobody has to know. In a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you have never begun that relationship with Jesus, you just repeat that prayer after me in your own heart. Nobody has to know, not even your spouse. And I believe God's going to begin to change some things in your life if you'll start this journey. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? No one looking around. If you're here and you've never prayed this prayer and you say, man, you know what? Today, I want to start this journey. Then I challenge you just to pray this prayer with me. And if you're here today and you've been running and playing with and flirting with your faith, today is the day to come running back. I want to challenge you right where you're at to pray this prayer with me. No one's looking around. You can pray it in your own heart. Just simply say this. Say, God, I know that you're real, that you're doing something in my life. I'm not okay with mundane. I'd like to experience the miraculous. Would you forgive me? Thank you for sending Jesus to pay the ransom for my sin. I just make this statement in your own heart. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Please email us at info at theocmovement.com. And if you were not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Please send us an email at info at theocmovement.com. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church.
If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Would you email us at info at theocmovement.com? And if you're not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Send us an email at info at theocmovement.com and we'll get back to you shortly. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church.